0: Welcome to Friends On Air!
1: On this podcast, our teen hosts discuss real life with real people. We hope to inspire others by sharing stories of individuals and pairs of friends who have dealt with mental health challenges or just the ups and downs of life and discussing what brought them healing and inner peace. In these episodes, we also talk about the role that friendship and connection plays in a person's emotional well-being. Subscribe to this podcast to be a part of our Friends on Air family.
2: Friends on Air!
3: Welcome to the second episode of season two. Welcome everyone.
0: (laughs) Hello, my name is Rivka Palkin. I'm 15 years old and a 10th grader at Hillel Academy of Pittsburgh, and I'll be one of your hosts for today
3: hi i'm marley mcfarland i'm a 12th grader at Oakland catholic high school and i'll also be one of your hosts today awesome
4: hi i'm Allie. i'm the wellness coordinator here at the friendship circle i have a background in psychology and clinical mental health counseling um, i will be talking to you from that perspective and chiming in but ultimately like all our viewers i will be listening and learning from our wonderful speaker that we have today um, our podcast topic that we're going to be going over might potentially have some trauma cues for some of our viewers. So we wanted to mention that in the beginning here so that everybody can really be aware and check in on how they're feeling and how they're experiencing this episode. So if you start to notice your individual trauma cues, uh, we would really encourage you to take a minute if that means stepping away from the video if that means engaging in some self-care, whatever it looks like for you to best support yourself, um,
1: we would encourage you to do that. Awesome, thanks, Allie. Um, and I'm Ayla, I'm the team member engagement and partnerships coordinator at Friendship Circle, which means I get to hang out with everyone, have a good time, work on our team mental health initiatives, which is what this po- podcast is a part of. Um, and I'm really excited to listen and learn from everybody, like Ali said, and I'm especially excited because Our guest today is somebody who has been involved with lots of different Friendship Circle activities. Um, It's just a participant in our community. And we're really excited to have you here on this format, this platform, um, because it's not a space that you've entered yet. Um, So I'm excited.
0: In today's episode, we'll be exploring the power of community healing by hearing from our guest speaker, Maggie Feinstein, the founder of Pittsburgh's <laughs> 1027 Healing Partnership. We're so excited to have you here. So
3: Maggie, if you just want to introduce yourself, just anything you want us to know about you, where you work, what you do, anything.
2: Great. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm really good to meet you too and to see old friends as well. Um, so I am the director, as you said, of the 1027 Healing Partnership. I work at the JCC in Squirrel Hill, which um, is also where I'm from in Squirrel Hill. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and I literally grew up in the offices where we are currently located in the JCC um, approximately 30 years ago doing ceramics up there and now getting the opportunity to work at the 1027 Healing Partnership in the same building. So that's fun. And um, I work there um And also, my kids go there all the time, and it's uh, nice to be in such a familiar place.
3: Awesome. If you could summarize just what you want to talk about today in one sentence, what would you say?
2: Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the 1027 Healing Partnership, um, what we do, what kind of organization it is. And I also want to talk a lot about the way in which we see healing um, and trauma as actually opportunities for engaging all members of our community um you know and how we can reframe sometimes the ways we think about that
0: great so right before we get into it i'm just going to pick a little question a fun speed question okay. what was your favorite part of your day
2: today favorite part of the day today i mean right now cuz i'm kind of excited to be here but that's kind of a lame answer so i'm going to go <laughs> i'm going to say right now it's fun to be here it's also fun to be looking out at the street and see people passing by like i like all of this mm-hmm. Um, besides that, my favorite part of today, we just adopted two small <gasps> dogs, and so oh, <laughs> getting to walk around oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> that is a huge deal. It is a huge <laughs> deal. Well, and we're not really small dog people, and it sort of happened, it was a serendipity thing. But well, they're these two small Lhasa Opsos, and so walking them in the morning, they're oh. really, really cute, um, oh. and they also are really snuggly. Oh. And so starting your day with a little snuggle from these little dogs is. I great. I feel like we might need to put some pictures in. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we should come by Friendship Circle for yes. the therapy, dog- therapy dog day. Well, absolutely, well, of course. <laughs>
4: the next episode should have therapy dogs.
2: Oh yeah, so that's so
3: actually, <laughs> really, that a good idea. Like, uh-huh. have you ever seen those BuzzFeed videos where the celebrities just play uh-huh. with puppies? Like, that's that's absolutely- idea.
2: Yeah. and they're really good at that. They, like feel like a baby, and then they go totally limp and let you just hold them like a baby.
4: <laughs> that's so
0: I love cute. You guys, I, yeah. What are your? Yeah, I love dogs. dogs. No, wait, what's your Here <laughs> <laughs> okay. we right right go. Here we go. What's my opinion dogs. everyone <laughs> love dogs? My opinion: If you don't love dogs, you have to at least love some other animal. If you don't love animals. <laughs> I feel like they're Behind I feel like, that. I feel like, I feel like there, there's a bit of a backstory to that. Um, but my favorite part of today, probably, I mean, it's so niche to say this, but, like, just preparing for, like, the podcast and, like, self-care, the self-care that I did today. I ran home in between classes to, like, get ready for the podcast so that I didn't, like, look like I was fresh out of school. Fun fact, I literally came here right after uh, history class. So but that was my little fun part of today.
3: Yeah, so today was my last day of school before Thanksgiving break, so that was fun. I'm just like kind of proud of myself for getting through it because it was a hard day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, good for Talk you. Props to you. Thank yeah, you. I was really considering just not going, but
1: I'm proud of myself for doing it. So, we're, we're proud, proud of you, humor. Thank you. How about you? I'm just kidding, my, my favorite part of today. <laughs> Actually, I've been waiting for results on my Ancestry.com DNA <laughs> thing, and it came today. It was really a lame response. I am 100% Eastern European Jewish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like 100%, like not even anything unique. No, I but like it was that. still fun to receive those results. <laughs> yeah. What was yours? Allie? Oh. <laughs> well, I
4: love hearing everybody else's. Um so, I went to a, my my baby appointment today, and I got Ooh. to hear the heartbeat again, yeah, which is always, like, super fun for me. Yeah. So, um, hearing the baby's heartbeat and, like, feeling them kick has been really, like, special. I think you so. win. Uh, <laughs> nice. That's very exciting. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Alrighty, let's get into it. You mentioned that you are the director of 1027 Healing Partnership. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about its background? What inspired you or motivated you to start it? Yeah. So
2: um, the 1027 Healing Partnership is a really unique kind of organization. Something like the Friendship Circle had people who thought about it for a really long time. They came up with this idea. They put the idea together and they, they created an organization. 1027 Healing Partnership is unique because it actually started after the shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue on October 27, 2018. And on October 28, 2018, a lot of people got together and they said, we need to do something. Right. We need to do something. We know that there are going to be a lot of needs. There's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be a lot of things that come up. We don't even know what they are yet, but we need to do something. And so um, on October 28, 2018, I was not in this job because the job didn't yet exist. The organization didn't yet exist. And I was just a Squirrel Hill resident who worked over on the North side and was definitely impacted by the fact that I knew people um, I, you know, it was my neighborhood, it was my community, and you know, just even having a lot of media when I was dropping my kids off at uh, childcare was really, really upsetting and really disturbing. Um, so every bit of my life was disturbed on that day. Even though, thank God, I was okay and my family was okay, but um, but I knew that our neighborhood was forever impacted. So while well, the organization was getting started, I wasn't really part of it, um, which is interesting. There were a number of people who were, though, over 30 members of our community, lots of the organizations that would be familiar to people, as well as the three synagogues who were in the, con- in the building that day, all got together and they said, we're going to work together on this. We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out how do we create an organization that will be there for the community, will continue to work on the healing that needs to happen um, for some time to come, And so I started working there. Um, I was hired as the first director and that was about six months after the shooting. So it, yeah, it took a little while. They had to figure out all these different pieces. And so what motivated me to do that was really that, um, like I had mentioned about growing up in the JCC and my kids now growing up in the JCC, I was certain that my neighborhood had changed and what I considered to be home would forever have some sort of difference And I wanted to make sure that that was not something that would disrupt my kids' ability to feel like this was home to them and it was a safe home to them and that they could continue to always know that they could raise their family here and feel like it was safe and it was safe to be Jewish here. Um, And so that was what motivated me to do the work. Um, And it's hard. It's hard because, you know, I don't know how to define those things, right? Like we don't actually know What will mean that my kids can say in 20 years, oh, wow, my neighborhood, my family, my um, my sense of being Jewish in this neighborhood is all okay." Um, So we're always working towards it without knowing exactly when we're going to arrive there. And we're an organization that was started in a lot of ways in the middle of crisis. Um, And so you can't always sort of start it the way you want to start it. You have to you know, just get your hands in there and start working. Yes, Yes. we had no office yet. We had no computers yet. You just start to reach out and build relationships the best you can. Um, And so it's a really uh, unusual piece of work, but I also am 100% committed to it, um, largely because of that feeling that this is my neighborhood, my people, my family. um, And I want to make sure that we're all, you know, able to get our needs met.
1: Just to clarify, I don't know, you might've mentioned this, but what's the, like, what does 1027 stand for, for people who might not be from Pittsburgh yes. or the community?
2: So on October 27, 2018, there was a shooting that happened at the Tree of Life Synagogue. And um, we use that word, right? And it's important that, um, that it was at the Tree of Life Synagogue because there were three congregations who were all present and all were using the space together. And so those congregations were Dor Hadash and New Light in addition to Tree of Life. Got it. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
3: So you mentioned that you're you're a professional counselor. I'm just like wondering, first of all, how does that um, go into your work? And then second of all, I'm also wondering, is a pro- is a professional counselor different than a therapist or is it the same thing? really good question.
2: Yeah. So, um, so there's a lot of really weird licenses in the, Mm -hmm. in the mental health world. And since you guys are on the wellness committee, you know, and there's, um, a lot of people recognize social workers and then you can become a social worker can become a licensed clinical social worker, and then they can be a therapist. Um, not all social workers are therapists, um, and not all therapists were ever social workers. Um, and so a licensed professional counselor is very similar to social work. Except we never went into the idea of social work that does advocacy. We stay focused in the area of counseling and clinical work. Um, and so that um, field of work, I was in it for a little over 10 years. And um, the it's a... It's a way that you can become a therapist without having to do research, which I never never finished a statistics class. Don't tell any of your teachers. It was not my strong suit, and so I was very anxious about going back to grad school to become a psychologist where I would have to do a lot more statistics and a lot more research um, and wanted to just focus on the part of relationships and how we build relationships and then how to also... We focus on people being able to get their needs met without it always being necessarily about the diagnosis that comes with it, but a little bit more about what's getting in the way of our ability to function. And so I feel like as a licensed professional counselor, it's an LPC, um, that I'm able to really focus on the people. And I don't always think as much about the pathology or the okay. thing that, you know, people may say is wrong. I can sort of more focus on what they want to do and how they might want to get it right. Yeah. So it's a therapist, but I would say that, you know, different therapists have different skills and mine's really much more about relationships.
3: So like with your um, degree and everything, like, um, who first of all, who does your organization serve? I know you kind of already touched on this, but if you want to talk about it more and then also like if you want to be more specific about the kind of work that you do.
2: Yeah. So, um, so when I became a therapist, the what inspired me to become a licensed professional counselor, I was actually working, um, in an organization and I thought I wanted to do organizational development and like nonprofit leadership. So that's how I ended up in that work. But then when I was there, we were working in, um, in a juvenile detention facility where kids were, um, pending different kinds of disposition and, um, and in that work, we had a mentoring program. And so I was really just doing the organization, but I learned, oh, I, I want to dig in deeper. I want to understand the mentors. I want to understand the mentors in the youth relationship. And I was like, I'm missing something. And so that's when I went back to school to become a therapist. And um, so that work for me has been a little bit different than where most people picture therapy. Therapy often happens in an office and, you know, you picture a couch or something kind of comfortable, but instead what I've been doing for most of my professional career as a therapist was working in doctor's offices. And so when we go to the doctor, sometimes the doctors have an answer, right? Like we go and they can say, oh, I see your strep throat and here's your antibiotics and you can get better. Um, But a lot of the times it's instead my stomach's been hurting for a long time or I get these headaches at weird times or I have a skin rash and they don't really know why. Um, And when they don't know why, sometimes we start to look at, okay, what's the bigger picture? When does this happen? What's the context that happens? And so um, the idea that, you know, we're whole people are, as I often said in medicine, our heads are attached to our bodies. Um, And so most of my work in therapy was about how do we bring that all together? How do we look at a whole picture instead of just, you know, trying to be like, okay, there's something wrong or there's something right. And just look at things a little bit more, um, more in a gradual sense. So what does that mean for the work I currently do? It's very different than what I was doing in most doctor's offices, except that in doctor's offices, we saw a lot of traumatic loss. When somebody has a big loss in their life, somebody dies and it really is hard, we feel it physically, right? Like the idea that you have a broken heart is actually real. Um, And so I saw a lot of people in the doctor's offices with traumatic loss, and it wasn't what I had expected when I first started that work. Um, but when I started this job, it made sense in some ways because I was used to that. And I was also used to doing supportive counseling in non-traditional environments. Like I didn't really think about it as a comfortable office with a pretty couch and good feng shui. I was used to sort of seeing people wherever they were and seeing the doctors wherever they were. Um, so when I started this work, I was like, okay, I get this. I get the idea that, um, people can become vulnerable and talk openly and it doesn't have to just be in a more conventional place um and i don't work as a therapist right now in my job technically right like i don't do any actual therapy um on the other hand everything's about relationships and everything and healing is about connecting to people and we'll talk more about that
1: in the um like i guess what would like a day at the 1027 headquarters look like? Or like what kind of programming <laughs> do you offer the community?
2: Yeah. And, and you asked a good question that I forgot to answer. So thank you for reminding me, which was about who are our people, yeah. who is our community. Um, and so the, um, what is it, I'll start with the who's our community and who are our people and then um, what does a day look like? But um, the way that we often think about who are our people, right? That we um, like Ali had talked about a little bit before that a lot of us were touched by this event. This event was really disruptive and really difficult for a lot of different reasons to a lot of different people. But the way that I often think about it is that if you have an onion and you cut it in half, that who our people are, we start in the middle. And those are the people whose family members were killed or who had to witness such a difficult event. And then, you know, the next layer out are people who are often go to those synagogues and are there usually, but maybe weren't there that day or the neighbors around by and then there's people like myself who are a neighbor and don't, don't live directly there but you know really care about a lot of people who were impacted and so if you think about the onion one of the things about who are our people is that everyone has a place on that onion there's no one who's off of it it's not it's not like there's any reason to exclude people but that we have um, people that we serve and we do specific programmings who are that center of the onion the direct victims we want to make sure that we get them what they need in a number of different ways. We wanna make sure that we've supported them in, um, in their healing process, but we also wanna make sure that we've supported them in the way that their private experience of grief became very public that day, mm-hmm. and how can we help that? Um, and then you know, the rest of the community, I think there's a lot of different ways we think about how, how to offer support. One is just to teach what a trauma is, and that's some of the work I've gotten to do with Friendship Circle um, and other organizations like Friendship Circle that before 1027, I think there was more of a communal thought, like, oh, trauma happens to other people, right? And so what it opened us up to was like, you know what, actually, we're all equipped to handle trauma. It's not a dirty word. And it's not something that has to stay out there. But like, we can, we can sort of handle it. Um, And that we're best equipped to heal from trauma when we can name it and when we can do it together. And so the less that people feel like they have to feel ashamed or quiet about it but rather can say this is what's true for me the better chance they have of also finding what their like healing journey is de- yeah.
0: like destigmatizing it if that if yeah. that was a word not sure if it is but. totally yeah. is a word and yeah. exactly <laughs> like, <laughs> like taking like, like, away the stigma from people saying you know it, it was a trauma it was yeah. Yeah. yeah people being able to say that freely not like overusing the word and like yeah. you know just casually around because that is like a cue for some people yeah but mm-hmm. definitely like admitting that like not everything you have to be okay with and some things it, it, you need to heal from. Yeah.
2: yeah and I think trauma cues are so interesting. Cause like, right. That what, just like Ali said, like when we notice it inside of us, it doesn't always mean that that's bad. Right. Sometimes it just means we have to pay attention to it. And we have to say like, whoa, well, what does this mean right now for me? Does it mean I actually need to like calm my body down? Or does it mean like, I didn't realize this bothered me until all of a sudden my heart started racing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I realized it bothered me. Um, and I love what you said about the destigmatizing because um, it's totally true. And It's what I learned from doing the training tracks with Friendship Circle in this part of this work is that like none of us know all the answers. None of us know everything there is to know. We are all learning constantly. And when I did a training tracks, uh, one of the programs with Friendship Circle during COVID, because COVID was another time where we realized, gosh, trauma and the trauma of kind of dealing with this is going to hit everybody in different ways, Um, either it's because of loss or because of isolation or school or all the different ways that we could um, end up experiencing it and so in that training track somebody was like you know actually this is very similar to what we do at friendship circle regularly which is that people are stigmatized and excluded a lot of the time for different things that are either visible or invisible and that what friendship circle does is really try to make it an environment where people can engage regardless of that and i think that's exactly what we hope trauma looks like in society that like I may not have to know why someone experienced something to then say, oh, but I can still be a supporter and I can still be a friend to you. um, And you can help teach me what are some of the ways to be a good friend to you in those moments. Um, And it's not that the trauma has to define us. It's just that we can acknowledge it
0: alongside
2: the other pieces of us too.
1: Which I think segues perfectly into the (laughs) follow-up.
0: In your opinion, what does community healing look
2: like? Yeah, it looks like that. It looks like um, being in relationship Um, yeah, I mean, I think, so, so what does individual healing look like? And then what does community healing look like? And so, you know, I'll ask all of you, you know, what, what has been healing to you before when you've had an individual injury, either like emotional or
0: physical? So actually it's interesting you bring that up. I hope this is answering your question, but recently I had, um, like a past trauma, like come up because someone was insensitive about it. And what uh, I actually turned to Ali for some help. And what she told me was that sometimes when you're brought up, when a trauma is brought up to you, your body doesn't know whether it's going through it again or if you're just reliving it. And therefore you you can go into fine flight, which is exactly what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I had one of my best friends who was with me at the time. And she immediately, like, hugged me and took. And she, like, she first asked me, of course, like, what can I do? What will make you feel better? What will calm you because my i was shaking i was like mm-hmm. everything i was having just a response to what was happening yeah and she immediately asked me what she could do as a resource and she gave me a big hug because that's what i just needed I needed to like feel that and i feel like that was something that was very helpful to me personally yeah Deal with, yeah good for you and I that mean, like it was somebody who was there with you you were right. alone I yeah. wasn't yeah. and then the physical touch
2: piece for you yeah. felt right right yeah
3: that's awesome yeah i just think it's yeah, I think that's, like, very. that's so great that you had that person with you because I think that, like, I think that, like, kind of perfectly connects what you were saying before about, like, understanding a tr- person's trauma, even if you didn't go through it. Like, Allie actually just talked the other day about um, sympathy and empathy. And I think that that,
4: look that at just reminded me okay. exactly yeah.
3: of that talk because, like, yeah. what your friend was doing was being symp- sympathetic or empathetic Empathetic, she it was more empathetic. sympathy. Empathetic, She's never yeah. she
0: she she didn't necessarily go through it, but she is. Definitely... Yeah, but
3: yeah, I think that empathy is like even if you didn't go through it, like you can still try and put yourself in that person's right. shoes right. and like um try to understand. I think that's like everyone deserves a person like that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Love her. Being an
4: neurodivergent community, that. like what would that look like? And ideally, I think that's what you're trying to create. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Well, the idea that as an individual, sometimes I need one thing. And as a community, for sure. it's made up of lots of individuals. Mm-hmm. And like one person might want to hug and one person might not want to hug. Right. Oh, <laughs> right. And so right. you end up in a place where like individual healing means that like I need to learn how do I vocalize what's helpful for me. And community healing means that sometimes we actually have to realize what's helpful for me might be actually hurtful for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so acknowledging that and I like how your, your example was so good also because there was someone who was insensitive and then there was someone who was sensitive. Right. And so a lot of the time there's like this ability that we have in a community way. Um, we can't be sensitive to everything that we don't even know exists, um, but we can be aware when we've hit a button, when we've hit a point with somebody that something feels wrong. And so as a community and taking some level of responsibility, it's how do I notice that maybe I didn't get that right with that one person, or maybe I said something that was hurtful to them, or maybe my need to share everything that's on my mind is actually hurting somebody else in, in the communal sense what that means is starting to find ways that we find healing for people that doesn't hurt other people. Yeah. Um, and so that's a lot of what community healing looks like in my world. And so that I go back to that late onion because there's so much to being able to say, you know what, we're all in this onion together. That's the empathy piece. And um, I can offer support and healing to the people who I know were closer to the center of that onion. And what I really also have to be able to do is lean out to get support. Because nobody can heal alone, we have to heal together. And so it means that sometimes there's someone that I need to offer support to. And like that day, like your friend who offered you support, hopefully, like, you know, then they could go and lean on somebody else, right. and they can, yeah. they can find somewhere else. And we, um, we, you know, have, s- sometimes there's this fear of like, well, someone has it off worse, or somebody has it oh, worse. Sure. And so I don't deserve to feel how I'm feeling. And the way that community healing happens best is when we actually say, no, I deserve to feel exactly how I feel. And they deserve to feel exactly how they feel. And can I be someone who supports them? And if not, then how do I go get my own help or my own support from wherever I need to get it without, you know, making my, my struggle, their struggle. And that's like what to me, community healing, I think it's so important. And I think that we often don't do it well, not because we don't want to, but because you have to actually pay attention to do it well. You can't not be paying attention and expect it just to work out. And so that's like the hardest part of community healing is there has to be an intentional piece.
0: Yeah. Just like a quick to to interject real quick. Um, I remember like when it first broke out, like I was like, you know, I was like, I was a young kid. I was 11, 11, almost 12. And I was like you know, I'm, like, scared to, like, walk around. I'm scared that people might find out because of the way I dress that I'm Jewish, you know. And then I was, like – and then, it, like, the, like the other side of me was, like, well, you don't deserve to feel scared because it didn't happen to you. It didn't affect you. It didn't affect your family. It didn't affect, like, people that you knew too well. It just, like, you knew them, but, like, you didn't know them that well. It's not going to – like, it doesn't – you don't deserve to feel, like, like traumatized by, by any sense. But then I, like – then I, like, talked to my therapist about it, and he was, like – and it was, like, one of the things that opened my eyes, and I was, like – even though something may not have had a direct like correlation, like it may not have happened exactly to you. It's okay to feel the effects of it, especially if it hit your community, because you are a part of that community. You're part of the people that it was that the
2: targeting. event that
0: yeah. was targeting. Yeah. So that like your feelings about like the trauma are valid. Even, and yeah. even if like you may not be at the epicenter of it all, You can still have, like, it's not impossible to have, like, the trauma affect you in some way. Such a good point.
2: Mm
1: Totally. Yeah,
2: and I hope people really hear that um, because it's one of the things, like, when you said, I don't deserve to feel that way. I mean, if we're all honest with ourselves, we've said that to ourselves at some point. And it's like the least helpful thing ever to say to yourself. (laughs) Um, So like while we all say it to ourselves, it is what contributes to community hurting community because there's this sense that, well, if I don't deserve to feel this way, then neither does Marley deserve to feel this way. And if Marley doesn't deserve to feel this way, that guy doesn't deserve to feel the way Mm -hmm. he feels. And like it could go on forever. There's no way to make that end. And the only way to make it end is to make sure we tell ourselves that we deserve to feel whatever feelings we feel, um, that we can't we can't take away that component. And it doesn't mean that, um, you know, the, the one of my sayings in this work often is that there's no gold medal in the Suffer Olympics. <laughs> um, you know, we're not trying to figure out who's suffering the worst. We're just trying to be together in that experience. And so we don't have to prove that it's kind of the worst experience of it to to allow to know that we deserve to feel some type of way. Right. Yeah. So you often work with um, people who
3: have experienced severe trauma in the community, and especially like as someone who's not a part of the Jewish community. And um, I obviously sympathize and empathize with the people who um, are impacted by it so much. And I'm, but like sometimes I just struggle to like find a way to, um, I guess like help. So mm-hmm. I'm just like wondering like if you could share a message on their behalf or like how. Um, whether it be the people outside of the Jewish community or the people within the Jewish community, like anyone, how anyone can be supportive?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, I think that there's so many ways to be supportive. There's so many levels to it. Um, if you know someone and you're in relationship with them, you can always reach out to them and give the hug like Rivka talked about earlier with a friend. Right. Like, but we have to be in relationship with each other to be able to do that. And so if you're not yet in relationship, if you don't know somebody who is sort of on the onion a little bit closer to that center, um, then what else can we do? And one of them is learning, right? Like I think there's so much um, about how do we learn one, you know, with the with 1027 specifically, October 27th, who were the victims, right? Who were the 11 people? How do we raise up their memories so that they can continue to be a blessing, which is um, sometimes like a Jewish concept, but it actually makes sense to a lot of people their lives were cut short by somebody's act of hate. We can spread love by making sure that their values and their essence continues. And so whether we knew them or not, you know, we can continue to take some of their legacy and carry it forward. So that's one thing to do is to to learn a little bit about them, to learn about who they were. And there's a lot on the internet. There's a lot of opportunities. There's also a lot of conversations. Um, if you you know it's Pittsburgh, so it's like one or two degrees of separation. So even if you didn't know anybody, usually you can find someone who did know somebody and say, "Tell me about them, right? Tell me if they were your coach in baseball, or you know your doctor, or a neighbor, or somebody you used to see on the bus." Um, and so there's sort of that piece which is to make sure that we don't shy away from learning about them um and then the other part is to really spread some of the messages um, that are needed to combat acts like this right and so there's something we can all do in that which is to really make sure that we are listening to each other more trying to make sure that we're not alienating people with different opinions so that they feel like they have to shut down completely Um, And those are, you know, there's lots of different ways to do that. There's ways that we can notice people at school who might feel alienated and lonely and maybe like they say the thing that nobody else wants to hear. Um, How do we find ways to engage them in something else besides that topic that's not a good topic for them to talk Mm -hmm. about? Um, How do we keep people from feeling totally lonely and isolated? Because, you know, the truth is that acts like this you can't, you can't find hatred if you're um, really connected in, in relationships that are meaningful. We know that. And so the more that we find opportunities to combat in that way as well. Um, so I think that, you know, what I could share on the behalf of the, um, the people that I get to work with regularly who are in the center of that circle, that onion, is that there's so many beautiful people who teach me every single day. And so one of the things that sometimes we forget with trauma is like we try to... Um, We try to tiptoe around certain things. But the truth is, the more you get to know people who have experienced really difficult things, the more you get to be opened up to the fact that they got to see things the world in ways that maybe you've never gotten to see it. And so whether it is people who were impacted by this trauma or other traumas, that what I've learned from the community of people impacted by this trauma is how important it is to ask people questions about their experiences, let them tell their stories, Mm Um, listen to their stories. And so, you know, that that when you do that, I find that there's always something really beautiful and meaningful in how people face adversity and then choose to keep going. Um, And there's so many beautiful stories in that. So so I know that from the victims of this experience that they love when people are open to Mm -hmm. hearing that and that that's not just true for them and that there's probably opportunities to do it in all of our lives every day that we maybe before felt uncomfortable doing, but knowing, asking questions like, you know, um, tell me about that person who's no longer here that you miss. Tell me about them and, you know, a story about them or something that they would do that would make you laugh. Um, and by doing that, we've helped raise up their memories to be a blessing in,
0: in everyone's lives. It reminds me of like, just a small thing. like, it reminds me of how my school, um, we did like this little like program type thing for 11 days. It was like, Eleven days in between the first say I believe, or the secular date, the, the secular yurt. date and the Hebrew date, because the mm-hmm. the different calendars. And so each day we focused on a different, um, a different, a different person victim, that yeah. victim that thank you, um, it fails me sometimes, um, a different victim that passed away that day, and we talk. And each day we focus on each day we would focus on a different victim and so for example one day we'd learn about you know um the brothers and we would therefore we do something like learning because they love to learn Mm -hmm. or um we learned about actually it was a previous as a teacher that used to work there school that her aunt died Mm -hmm. um and her aunt loved um kids and loved like just the idea of young children so we did like a little like ecc like um, harsher time with them. And mm-hmm. so we got to spend like, a, uh, one of our class periods with the kids. So I saw that as very enlightening and I got to learn a lot about the people mm-hmm. from speakers and whatnot, just like to learn about how they lived and incorporate that into my life now, for sure. It's very so nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. It's
2: nice that your school did
0: that. It is really it is nice. Really cool. I think, and it's hard
3: to do. no, you can go. Yeah.
2: I was just gonna say, it's hard to do that sometimes. Yeah.
3: yeah. I think that's like really beautiful and important because I, kind of what you were saying before, I think sometimes, whether it be like a traumatic experience or you, Or um, like you said someone passed away that um created a trauma for you I think that sometimes people can just be like oh I'm sorry and then just move on because they don't they think it's like a touchy topic Mm -hmm. um but it's like just so important to uh, at least to most people yeah you definitely have to check in with the person but for a lot of people it's so important to um keep on talking about that whether it be like the situation or the person and Just, like, let them talk about it. And I think that's that's exactly what you said, but I think it's just really important and need to be said
2: again. Well, and I think it's so much the part of it is that nobody wants to feel invisible. Yeah. And so even if it's, like, that I'm sad, like, I I at least want to, like, know that I'm not invisible and, like, people can see me. Yeah. So sometimes we fear, like, oh, it might upset them, but it's really upsetting when nobody asks or nobody seems to care. So, um, you know, we might not always get it right, but it's good to try. Mm -hmm. So in your own life, are there any times that
3: mental health and trauma have had an impact on you? And um, like what helped you get through those situations?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I, my personal way of dealing with trauma was always to put my head down and keep going. Um, uh. It's not really. And I always thought that that was good. Right. Like that that somehow somehow. Um, is a fighter until, of course, then anxiety comes in. Oh. <laughs> because, as I like to say, like you know, any balloon pushed underwater is gonna find its way up eventually. And wow, so that's a great- <laughs> that is that yeah. is a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't push it underwater, and you can yeah. keep trying, but it will eventually come up. And mm-hmm. so I think you know, for me, what I have found is that I have to make space for my own way of processing and I often go to the woods that's sort of my first (laughs) place to go Um, I find trees to be really healing and now there's like a whole forest bathing I was gonna say have you done yeah and forest bathing is now a thing I didn't know that before but I always found actually touching a tree and being in a forest Mm -hmm. to be really um, helpful Mm -hmm. for me and breathing real air. Like I can't, when I'm in a building, I start to, my for me, when I'm starting to feel anxious, like being inside, always that air doesn't feel like I can breathe it. Um, so I've learned that I have to be outside and I have to do that. But that doesn't always help as much as one would like. And so at the very least, I can get my breath back. And once I can get my breath back, then I usually have to figure out am I okay to talk to people? And so being in a helping profession, like I really take it seriously that if I'm not okay to be there, I really shouldn't be there because I don't want to try to show up for someone and then really fall short. And so there've been times where I have to call off work for the day. And if I'm going to call off work for the day, I say, okay, like I need to figure out how to kind of come back. And so some of the things I'll do is journal Um, I actually really like journaling Um, when I'm feeling really bad. I like to journal what I would never say out loud. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That's my favorite kind of journaling. And so usually it's a lot of words that shouldn't be said out loud. Um, But I need to get it out because otherwise it's bouncing around in my head and I don't really know who to say it to or how to say it. Um, And so I find that to be really helpful. And then, you know, trying to keep functioning in some ways, Mm -hmm. right? Like So making sure I cook or making sure I do something that keeps me moving, but not necessarily um, trying to pretend in my everyday life, like going to work. So some balance between those things.
1: I love what you said about the journaling. Um, Cause recently I've learned, I, I think it's, and you guys can let me know if you agree, but I feel like the message that's taught your whole life is like, anger is not a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, like keep it together. And when you're angry at somebody, like it's not conducive to the relationship and it's not whatever, all these reasons why anger is not a good thing. And then recently I've learned, like, you need to be angry sometimes. Like, it will just pent up otherwise. So I love that idea. I'm going to take that home. That's my practical take home for today is, like, putting all that anger in the journal. And maybe even sometimes at the people themselves. But the <laughs>
2: journal. <laughs> Sometimes I say like if I can write the really angry thing, that I can tone it down to maybe something right, else. yeah, that's right. okay, right. a little you write bit better. It down
4: angry, yeah. <laughs> and uh, express what you need to say, hopefully in a
1: different way. Yeah, that's true. As <laughs> a bunch of joyful yeah. staff, I am not promoting screaming <laughs> yeah. great yelling, but
2: <laughs> but I but I do think that there's a lot of messages that we received as especially as girls and and women. Yeah. you know, there's a lot about where anger is not um, something that seems socially acceptable. And so we've learned really how to shut it out. But I actually think anger is one of our most productive emotions. Like, I'll tell you, in the therapy work that I've done, um, when I would see people in doctors' offices, it's really hard. If someone's not talking, you don't know how to help them. But if they're angry, sometimes it's really exhausting. But at least they're talking. At least they're (laughs) saying something. And I think the same in journaling. Like, I can try to make myself numb, but there's nothing that's going to come out. But if I'm journaling and I'm letting all the feelings out, then at least I'm talking. At least there's something coming out. Totally. I think embracing the anger and allowing anger to be is an emotion that we're not as. I,
4: know, I was going to say, Rivka, you're talking about destigmatization. <laughs> I, no, I can't say it, right? <laughs> I got my braces and I'm having trouble saying words. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes anger is representative of what we're going through, like mental health issues, too. And I think if we're more accepting of that as a community. Mm-hmm. um overall we're more accepting of normal things that we might be struggling with like depression anxiety right trauma mm-hmm. it's all going to present in like different ways
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not, not so we're destigmatizing all... anger yes yes <laughs> <laughs> all right
0: and as one of our final questions can you share a favorite song or album or hobby artwork quote book something that brought you um healing or just joy or something that relates to this topic Anything? Um, Yes, but you guys also have to share. So I'll I'll start because you asked me.
2: And I would say that, you know, an album or a musician, I really... I go back and forth between, like, 90s hip-hop and singer-songwriter-female singer. So it really depends on the day. But one of those two is most likely to make me feel better when I need. But mostly it's that I really like to sing loudly when nice. I am feeling feeling my feels. I like to find songs that I can sing. And so either one of those works for that. And sometimes I even do that in the woods. Nice. <laughs> do you have, like, a go-to... Album or, or musician? Yeah, you know, so somewhere between like Indigo Girls and Brandi Carlisle with maybe Chris Delmhurst in there too. And Chris Delmhurst is, um, I think, one of the best singer songwriters and not that well known. Yeah, I'll um, have to look. But up. Brandi Carlisle, just her voice is so beautiful. Yeah. All right, so how about you? What, what's your favorite um, song, album, book, hobby, or artwork or quote?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I have a couple, and you know, it's going to be common theme throughout because like last time I also had a couple but um I have new things every time so t- so I'd say today again once again I'm wearing a shirt actually this time I'm wearing a shirt not a sweater but it says stay smiley so I find that sometimes when I want like something uplifting um I'll do like definitely self-care sometimes I will do my makeup like today nice. sometimes I'll take a shower. Um, I don't do baths because we haven't figured that out in our house. We don't know how to like fight the thing. <laughs> but like, that is uh, one day I will get there. I, mm-hmm. That's what I keep telling myself. But um, skincare for sure. That is a must. I have like, I try, I keep, like, I definitely try to keep up a routine with my skincare. That way it can bring me some like routine because I definitely, I that's how I thrive. I thrive on routine. I cannot, I when it's like not a routine, when I have to break my routine, it, always frustrates me so when i'm feeling a certain way i try to like make sure that i'm keeping up with their routine um and then i blast um bruno mars mm-hmm. while cleaning my room because nice. that, wow. that nice. is that it, it happened last night um
1: you just gave us a solid yes. list of like no like items. Yeah. all right marley how about
3: you <laughs> okay so i mean also music for me like i was like this week i was a little sad i'm i'm getting better now but like i realized like in the middle of the week i was like Oh wait, I'm really like not having a good time and I haven't listened to music in days. Oh. And then I listened to music and I was just like like okay, so I listen to a lot of a lot of Phoebe Bridgers. Does anyone know? I feel like I've heard. I've of heard of, of her too, but, I okay. think, but I've, I've never. To really, I, well, she, I music. She probably creates the saddest music you've ever <laughs> okay. heard. so I just <laughs> I just listened to Phoebe Bridgers and I followed my eyes out. And I felt oh. so much better after. That like sounds Aww. really it sounds therapeutic. Yeah, sounds exactly. Amazing. So I was worried when I said that I was gonna sound concerning. I yeah. promise. No, I'm, not, not at all. No, but, yeah. what, 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 what's her best song for a good cry? Yeah. What I'm what I was gonna say is one of her songs, "Graceland." Too. It's probably one of her more popular songs and um one of my favorite lyrics is said she knows she lived through it to get to this moment so it's just like Mm. about how no matter what you go through Mm. you're always just going to make it out yeah like every time I hear that lyric it's just like so cute
1: and I love it sounds inspiring yeah Yeah. and I think that your hard week is relatable to probably many listeners and for sure to I can say me (laughs) maybe not this week
2: but like it happened 100% so yeah it's not concerning at all it's the opposite (laughs) it's relatable yeah Yeah. if anything and i do in terms of tv shows i almost always like things that help me cry yeah Uh, because i
3: feel like sometimes something that helps you cry is i feel like i either have have shows that make me laugh or
1: make me cry there's Mm -hmm. like no in between yeah (laughs) i think that's great maybe shows shouldn't make you angry uh, (laughs) reclaiming anger don't don't bother if it's a tv or tv no i feel like that's the one emotion not essentially. yeah yeah all right how about you guys well
4: oz um first of all I want to tell you for the shower life you know what i ordered this week what did you order um they're they're called like shower bombs but they're like like bath bombs but for your shower they're oh. supposed to be like aromatherapy Ooh, so that's like i'm doing it i'm treating I, it. I Like <laughs> yes <laughs> wait <how laughs> do you like work? you put it on the bottom of like whatever your floor surface oh. tile uh, whatever you have and the shower just hits it and it's supposed to like slowly dissolve that's like a bath bomb that's <laughs> cool yeah so yeah. on that note yeah because um I've been taking showers more lately and (laughs) I was like I still like I still want to enjoy myself so that was like a little treat and I've been listening to a lot of like the early like 60s like early Beatles stuff lately like really original like poppy, fun um and it's just been making me kind of be in a good mood on my morning commute to work when it could be a completely different experience (laughs) like very easily so i've just been listening Mm -hmm. to like upbeat music on purpose
1: nice it's a good one something that um brings me joy it's not something that i practice a lot but i want to be better at practicing is playing guitar because i it's not at all like natural talent of mine but when i get into the groove of it it's so healing and therapeutic so this is me taking on another um, follow-up from today that I'm going to try to start playing guitar more. Cool. Yeah, so cool. I'm trying to think if there's, like, a specific singer, but I'll have to share next time that thing's coming to mind.
4: Mm-hmm. We went
0: through an episode without mentioning Taylor Swift. Nope, no, we I wasn't oh. about- <laughs> No, 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 no. On that note, on that note, because Ali brought up Taylor Swift, I have to say, Lavender Haze is yeah. my, I play that when all my, okay, yeah. I have, like, my little, like, people have their outro, you know, like, the outro, like, the film music, and it's, like, bye my thing is I have an intro so on my way as I walk in the door I specifically like put my Taylor I put like put on Taylor Swift put on Lavender Haze and I walk in the building listening to Lavender Haze it's my everyday thing is definitely like a strut song yes yes It's like my little, like, mysterious girl. The like the strut you know, in or the strut
1: out is the question? It's the yeah. strut in. You know the strut out is always. Something that something. wasn't good
3: for my mental health this week.
1: <laughs> Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, oh. I was going to say. I was, was going to ask, yes. but then I decided not to. <laughs> um, I'm going to listen to that song on my home today. Yes, you need to. Thanks, Riffga. Yes.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, awesome, guys.
4: Okay, so thank you, Maggie, for being willing to contribute and share your experiences In today's episode, we talked about the 1027 Healing Partnership, the work that you do in the community and why it matters to you, um, how we can come together as a community and support one another. Um, We talked about friendship. We talked about empathy. We talked about so many wonderful (laughs) things, and we are so grateful to have you with us today. And thank you also
1: to our wonderful team hosts. 12 of our listeners. We hope that you'll continue to grow with us as we share inspirational friendship and mental health stories and resources in our future episodes. If you'd like to hear more stories and episodes like this one, subscribe to the podcast um, and also subscribe to our new YouTube channel. That's super important because now we are accessible to all and we have subtitles and a visual of what's going on in this room, um, which is super exciting. So go do that. And from all of us here, Signing off from Friends On
2: Air!